Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. Elm City Church is a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together. No matter where you're at, these messages are meant to equip and strengthen you for the journey. You can find out more by visiting elmcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening. I want to begin our time uh, by looking at God's Word. I want, if you have your Bibles, if you want to open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 18 through 21 this morning, and we are in a series. We just finished uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, spent about five months in that, and we are currently transitioning to a shorter series that I'm calling In Good Faith, being about what Jesus is about. And the reason why we're in it, it's a, it's a short series designed to help us in this time that we're currently in as followers of Jesus, make sure that no matter what, we are about what Jesus is about. I think it's really easy to get sidetracked, to get mission drift, to get really passionate about, all, about lots of things, and to lose that first love and that first focus that we're called to have. So let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 through 21. It's also going to be up on the screen. This is the words of Paul uh, writing to the church at Corinth. He says this, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word. So as I said, this is our third, kind of our third message in our series, In Good Faith, being about what what Jesus is about, and... um, Again, probably you're feeling it. It's really easy right now to get pulled in a bunch of different directions, to have your affections, attentions, emotions pulled this way or that way. I think we talked about it last week, and I watched. Has anyone seen the, uh, the Social Dilemma? A few, few people who watched went down that rabbit hole. Um, if you haven't, I don't know if I should tell you to or not. You'll run your phone over with a car several times, <laughs> then put it in the blender, and then dump it in the ocean is what you'll, what you'll end up doing. Uh, but last week, we talked about the things that are forming us, how, how we are formed either into Christ-likeness or into kind of the ways of the world. And in this moment right now, um, we are trying to be shaped, trying to be formed. And so as followers of Jesus, it's really important for us to remember that our chief identity What we're called to be, Paul's going to say, is be ambassadors of the message of reconciliation to where we are. And if we can hold that singular focus, I think we're going to to do all right. I think even though this is a crazy time that we're in, 2020, the year that never stops giving, we are ambassadors for Christ in this time. And so that's that's really what I want to to talk about. Because So D.L. Moody, he he has a quote that always, if you, always kind of haunts me in a way. He says this. He says, our greatest fear, it should not be a failure. Our greatest fear should be uh, succeeding at, some, at something that doesn't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Because ultimately, there's only, there's only a few things that you can be about. 
And I have a question for you to just think about for a second. If you succeeded at everything you are currently about right now, how much of an eternal impact would it have? Let's just say God gives you favor and everything that you're about and you're passionate about is successful a hundred times more than you ever thought it would be. How much of that would have an eternal impact? Again, I don't say that to make everyone feel guilty like you shouldn't care about your job or your career or your garden or like those are all good things. But if you just were given favor, how much are you about what Jesus is about? It's a really important question to think about. So what I want to look at partially this morning is how we can reclaim our identity as kingdom ambassadors, as how followers of Jesus can reclaim that identity. An ambassador is this. An ambassador is about a kingdom. He's about the kingdom. Sorry, I lost my... An ambassador is about the kingdom that sends him out. So Ed Stetzer, he wrote a book called Christians in the Age of Outrage. He highlights three aspects of what it means to be an ambassador that I found really helpful. So they're going to shape our message this morning. So thank you, Ed, wherever you may be. He says this. An ambassador is sent by a king. An ambassador is sent with a message and an ambassador is sent to a foreign land. So followers of Jesus, through this passage, are called to be ambassadors for Christ. So, so what, what does that mean? Uh, and before we go into what that means, we have to remember that everything that we're talking about flows out of the good news of Jesus. So this is what he says in verse 18. Paul says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. So this is the foundation for everything that he is about to say. The first thing is God, through Jesus, is reconciling people to himself. So to reconcile is to bring back in favor with or to repair a relationship. It's a relational term. That God through Jesus, is providing a way for us to be reconciled back to him. Meaning that all of our default position is that we are people who need to be reconciled to God. That is just the biblical assumption of scripture. But the good news is, God through Jesus has provided a way for us to be reconciled to him. The next thing he then says is, those who have been reconciled are then given this ministry and message of reconciliation. So you are both a, uh, a recipient of reconciliation, but then you are sent out as a participant in it. You're not just a receiver, but then you are sent out to be an ambassador of this message of reconciliation. And so Paul, he's, he's giving, he gives his church a term they're familiar with. He says this. Here's, here, here's how you figure this all out. Think of yourselves as an ambassador. This, this was a, you know, often used just terms people were familiar with. Hey, church, this message of reconciliation you've been given, called to task, just look at yourself as an ambassador. That is what you are called to do. And I think if we can learn to do the same, it is going to help us navigate this moment faithfully. We can learn to uh, embrace our identity as an ambassador. So as we said, the first thing, ambassadors are sent by a king. And ambassadors can really only have an ultimate allegiance to one kingdom. So think about this. 
Who does the America, American ambassador to Russia work for? Who's it work for? America? Oh, it works for the president? And that ambassador ultimately needs to be working for the interests of the country that sent him, for us. If that ambassador starts kind of working for the interests of Russia, what will we call them? A traitor, yeah. Because an ambassador works, is loyal to one kingdom is sent, and is sent by a king to represent that nation's interests. And so this was the early church. Like They've been like, okay, I'm starting to get this analogy. As ambassadors for Jesus... We are sent to represent our King Jesus, and we have ultimate loyalty to that kingdom no matter where we find ourselves. They, they would have understood that's what Jesus, uh, what Jesus through Paul was saying. And this is what actually got the early church in a lot of trouble. But did you ever wonder why? I don't know if you, or maybe you don't know this, the early church was severely persecuted. Did you ever wonder why that was? Uh, I think sometimes people make Jesus out to be like this Mr. Rogers figure. I'm like, who would crucify Mr. Rogers? Like, so, like, like, so there's, pro, there's a little bit more to just, you know, this nice privatized religion. There was something provocative about, about Jesus and, and, and his kingdom. And the early church wasn't starting a political revolution uh, per se, but this is what got them in trouble. They were unwilling to give primary allegiance to Caesar. They just weren't. They were good citizens. They loved the places they were, but they viewed themselves ultimately as citizens of the kingdom of God. Um, in, the, in the church setting, you come to church a lot, you might hear terms like gospel, Lord, Savior, peace. These are, you know, we put them on Christmas cards. And, but in the first century, those were not churchy words. Those were empire words. And so there was a gospel the, the gospel was the good news of a victory. And so whenever Rome would win a victory, they would send out messengers that would proclaim the good news of Rome's victory to the different provinces. Caesar was called Lord and Savior. And there was a peace. It was peace by power. It was the Pax Romana, which was all over the walls, the currency in Rome. So in this context, the early church goes out into the empire proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, who is the Lord and Savior and who brings peace. This is what got them in trouble. They were unwilling to give ultimate allegiance to Caesar because Jesus was Lord. Um, Listen to, this is in Acts 17. This is a perfect example of how their message was heard. So in Acts 17, there were some Christians that had gone to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and this is how the town reacted. It said, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, the crowd shouted in protest, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, that there's another Lord, Jesus. This is what got them in trouble. But as ambassadors, they knew they ultimately represented one king and one kingdom above all else. And so for us now, we could do well to remember that as Christ's ambassadors, our ultimate allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And there's going to be times for sure when our faith, when what Jesus calls us to do, really lines up with the values of whatever area, nation, kingdom we find ourselves in. And there's not going to be a ton of conflict. 
but there is also going to be times for sure when kingdom values are going to have to overrule the values of where we find ourselves in. Uh, and that is going to look different, has looked different in context all over the place. Um, this is how Preston Sprinkle, he put, wrote a book, Fight. This is how he put it for us as we try to navigate this balance. He said, the New Testament is clear that we should honor, submit to, and pray for our governing authorities. That's crystal clear. We can celebrate the distinct culture of our country. We can promote the good news our nation achieves. And we can seek the welfare of the city where God has sent us into exile. Also very clear in scripture. But our identity that marks us out as distinct people is with God's kingdom and not Caesar's. And so allegiance to Rome, and he says, or Iraq, America, Canada, whatever, can become idolatrous when national identity is prioritized over our heavenly one. And when the values of our earthly citizenship conflict with Jesus's, as they sometimes do, we must give our allegiances to our Lord, even if it means being unpatriotic, even towards Rome or wherever we find ourselves. That's a lot to chew on, I know. I don't even have a specific, like, here's the veiled thing I'm trying to say but not saying, because there's a million instances where, 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 we could, we, where we could put this into practice. But as citizens of God's kingdom, we need to be ultimately loyal to one king and one kingdom above all else. Second thing is we are sent as ambassadors, we are sent with a message, a message that is not our own. Ambassadors, again, go with the message that the king has sent them with. So what is this message that we have been sent with as ambassadors of reconciliation? Um, I want to share with you, this is a, a way I like to explain the gospel. It involves some very, very sophisticated pictures. So try to keep up. Um, they're, they're really, really good. Oh, uh, th- again, anyone, of, anyone can draw these. That's, that's why they're great. This isn't, this isn't unique to me, um, but I think it really helps think it through. So kind of the first place I like to start is the world's messed up. The world is a messed up place. Especially in 2020, this will not be hard to convince anybody of. The world is a messed up and broken place. Yeah, there's pockets of good things happening for sure. Uh, But we all can see the brokenness out there. And if we're honest, see the brokenness in here. The world is a messed up place. But here's my question. Why do we care? Why does this bother us so much? Why, when we see the brokenness of the world, do we feel like something's wrong? If this is all just time and chance and survival of the fittest and might makes right, why are we bothered by this? This is just how it is. In fact, as troubling as things seem, there probably has never been a point in human history where things were better. Like big picture, why do we ache about the brokenness of the world? And it's because of this. We all have a distant memory of Eden. We were, this is not the world we were created for. We were created for a world that is good. Deep down, everybody knows that, even if they don't know that they know that. In the beginning, the story of the Bible is that God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. At the end of Genesis 1, 131, it says, and he looked at everything and he saw that it was good. 
we ache because things aren't good. And we ache because we know deep down that they once were. So what happened? Why is the world the way that it is? Because you, know, you go to the doctor and you get something wrong with you. The most important thing is they accurately diagnose the problem. You know, we all see the problem that there's, there's some brokenness. But the question is why? I'm sure you've probably all had frustrating experiences where they say, oh, uh, here's your symptoms. This is what's wrong with you. Here's the solution. You do it and it doesn't work because they misdiagnosed what was wrong. We've probably all experienced that. So when we look at the brokenness of the world that everyone can see, I think a lot of our fighting comes from misdiagnosing what's actually wrong. And the scripture's answer to why the world is a broken place is something called sin. So uh, Romans 5.12 says this, when Adam sinned, sinned, uh, sin entered the world and Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. And this is kind of where the bad news part of Christianity comes in because we are impacted and affected by sin, but in a way that's different than that we just kind of like caught cancer or that we're a victim of the brokenness because it's both we are recipients and participants. Um, We are impacted by the brokenness of the world around us, but we also actively contribute to it. Both of those things are true, and therefore, we are under God's judgment. We have broken God's laws. He is just to punish us. And if you don't kind of get that bad news part of it, then the good news of Jesus isn't great news. But thank God that's not where it stops. So we have been damaged both relationally, this world has been damaged by evil. But here is the really good news. Jesus came to restore us for the better. That is why the gospel is good news. Jesus comes. He is the fulfillment of what had been talked about in the scriptures for a long time, that someone's gonna come to fix this mess. And what did Jesus do? Well, he came as a man. He came as God in the flesh. And he started to, and he lived this perfect life. But then what, we, what do we see him doing? We see him in, in, in pockets temporarily rolling back some of the effects of the curse. We see the lame walk, the blind see, the lepers are healed, the hungry are fed, kind of giving us a foretaste of what this, what this is going to look like. But then ultimately we see him going to a cross and dying in our place. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 21 explains kind of what happens and why Jesus was the solution. This is one of my favorite, most succinct versions of the gospel. It says, for our sake, God made him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what that means is that on the cross, Jesus, when he died, Our sins, the sins of the world were placed on him. It's as if uh, Jesus took, you know, if you, let's say you have a resume, a resume of all your works. Ours comes with uh, punishments attached to it. Jesus took all of them and he paid for them. And one, but it's not just that your bank account, in a sense, if we had a debt was, you know, put to zero. It says, then we are given Christ's righteousness. And it's the great exchange where he takes our sin, he takes our brokenness on himself and for those who trust and put their faith in him when we are reconciled to him says we get his righteousness we are given his rightness so that when God looks at us he does not see us for our sin he sees us as sons and daughters 
His people have been reconciled back to him. And that is such good news. That is good news for our brokenness and the brokenness around us. But we are both recipients and participants. And what we've been talking about as ambassadors is we don't just hold this good news to ourselves. We are sent out to heal. And we ourselves don't heal, but we are sent out to proclaim this good news that in Jesus, there is salvation. That in Jesus, there is restoration. And in Jesus, there is reconciliation, forgiveness, redemption. And we go out and we go out to our communities and we live like that. That is the good news of the gospel. We are sent together to heal as Christ's ambassadors. And when we don't remember this, though, we can just become distracted ambassadors who are disproportionately disproportionately passionate about the wrong kingdom. And I want you to think about this. Um, uh, before, before I get there, my life verse uh, used to be and kind of still is Philippians 127. I discovered it in high school. I was reading my Bible and there's something about it just stood out to me. Philippians 127 says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. But when manner of life, the way that um, literally is translated is only let your citizenship be, manner, be worthy of the gospel. And uh, what it's saying is let your manner of life, whatever happens, live out your citizenship as citizens of the kingdom of God in a faithful way that represents the gospel well. So church, especially in this season, beware of where your ultimate allegiances lie. Which kingdom are you the most attached to? um, When you lose relationships over stances on the kingdom whose leaders change on a regular basis, when you are also members of the kingdom whose king is eternal, whose kingdom never ends, and his rule and reign never dies, that is a sign that you have misplaced priorities and you're too focused on the wrong kingdom. Again, not that you shouldn't care, but when you lose relationships with people who you share a heavenly citizenship over Leaders who change every 48 years, you are placing too much importance potentially on the wrong kingdom. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We need to be united in that. And finally, as ambassadors, we are sent to a foreign land. And what that means for us is not that we get up and move and leave, but we we hold on to this understanding of just being people in exile. That it's okay if we don't fully fit in. Uh, this is why we're doing, um, if you, I, I fell out of my Bible, but there's some in the back if you have them to put up. We have this, uh, we're doing 50 days of prayer for our community. Because as ambassadors, we want everyone around us to hear the good news. We do. And this is, and this is, and this is an easy place to start where Colossians 4, 2 through 6, end of Paul's letter, and, just, and it just says, essentially, walk in wisdom towards those who don't know Jesus. Live wisely. Always be gracious. Pray for opportunities to be opened up for you, for those you know. Pray that when it happens, you'll speak clearly. This is, this is it. So for the next, you know, I, mean, I, I think I'm just going to say for the next 50 days, I never stop saying that because <laughs> it's going to kind of, when the 50 days start, let's be praying for this. And this is a really easy way to do it. Um, so, 
and, 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 here's, and here's why. We are, again, ambassadors of, of, of reconciliation. And we're going to, in a minute, we're going to tra- tra- um, go into communion. And if you don't have, a, uh, and have the elements, just kind of raise your hand or there's some in the back. Andrea will, 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 will give, some, give some to you. Um, these little, <laughs> I, I, one of the things I'm most excited about COVID season to be over is we don't have to use the communion to go cups. <laughs> um, but these are, th- th- these work. Um, this is why we celebrate and come to the table on a regular basis. I was listening to a, a, a podcast this week and it was talking about all the changes that have happened in the church over the last 2,000 years, whether f- changes of form, all this stuff. He said, well, you know the, what, what hasn't changed? Is Christians regularly taking communion together. It might happen in different forms, but Christians regularly taking communion together because when we do, we are remembering and we're celebrating this. That Christ's body was broken for us. That Christ's blood was shed for us. And in, and in his name, there's forgiveness There is redemption, there is healing, there is restoration. In the name of Jesus, there is power. The gospel that we go, the good news that we go and share is not, hey, look at these cool programs we have. Look what we can do. It's, look at Jesus. He's awesome, and here's why.